Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, pop culture, and more. So a lot of stuff going on, and you can also catch us on the um, newspapers at uh, pinalcentral.com, keyword Skewed. We have Skewed and Reviewed magazine sci-fi radio open critic lots of outlets you can go on facebook catch us on our pages bj shays geek nation uh thread and more and we've got our usual crew of justin michael and joey z back even though we are scattered to the various corners of this country currently the magic of tech has us going so guys let's start off with the uh thing that dropped today as we were um getting ready for the show so yesterday we got a couple of pictures and a poster after two years of silence after filming had um stopped uh two years after we got a little taste of it at cinemacon we finally got the first trailer for borderlands and an announcement that it is coming to theaters this august so uh, we will start on the Joey Z. Start us off. What was your impression and what are your expectations? This really strikes me, and I hate to say it, but almost like a worse D&D movie. Because if we remember that recent D&D movie was really bright and vibrant and funny and kind of trying to take this idea of what the geeky kind of movies could be and turn it on its head a little bit. Um, but I feel like the whole Kate uh, Blanchett, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Hart, stuff might not translate as well uh this movie was originally slated for i think was it 2020 i believe maybe because of covid they decided to delay it a little 22, bit hopefully i think was the original plan oh okay well you know i never think delays are a good thing in any industry so hopefully this will kind of change uh, our minds on that uh all that being said just like a good Fast and the Furious movie, it looks like it's going to be for the fans. So hopefully that means that when you go to theaters, you're going to enjoy this because you know the references to the game and you like the characters. Uh, we'll see, though, but I'm still excited for it. Michael, your take, please. So I, I, I will say that I thought the trailer was better than I expected, which isn't really saying much because I didn't have a lot of high expectations based on the uh, delays. Uh, visually, it does very, look very video gamey. I guess that could be good or bad. It, it definitely has a very um, high, um, you know, video game look to the movie. I, one of the things we talked about when we first heard about the uh, casting of this was that they were kind of casting for, I guess, popular people at the time versus going for cast members that were more true to the characters and I, and I think that definitely translates in what we saw uh for those who are familiar with the lore and are looking for a movie that's going to kind of be true to the video game from a lore perspective they're not going to have that uh, again because the, the characters in my opinion don't really match up with their with their video game personas uh, again i think this is going to be one of those um i, I i'm not expect it's not going to win any awards at all uh, I, I just hope they didn't go too overboard by making it a little bit too farcical, if that's a if that's a good word to use, and and try to go too much into the video game aspect so that we don't get any sort of coherent story. Again, I, I thought it looked 
okay. I mean, I thought the I thought the preview looked to be good again based on what I was expecting. But yeah, I I I, I don't know. I, I we've had a lot of really bad movie uh, video game adapt you know adaptations in the past. I don't think it's going to be any of the worst ones. But yeah, I'm not expecting a whole lot out of it. But if it's fun and it it you know has some good moments to it, then that's pretty much all I can expect from it, anyways. Okay, and Justin, what is your take on all of this? Yeah, I think the comparison to D&D actually is a good one. And the reason I say that is I actually didn't think the D&D movie, the recent one, obviously there's the one from the early 2000s that uh, was not very good. But the recent one I was surprised by because uh, I didn't watch it when it came out. I did not think it looked good. Uh, all of the marketing for it, it to me, it, it was off. Um, you know, it, it to me, it, it was playing it too. Uh, like it, it had like a tinge of a satire to it, and I, I and like modernity that kind of just uh turned me off. But I ended up watching it pretty recently, and it was it was good. So watching this trailer for for borderlands kind of reminded me that of that i mean the trailer it wasn't bad it was actually better than what i was expecting given a lot of the issues that have um been going on with this particular project or you know with with the production being delayed um you know and then also basically being done for gosh uh two years two years um which is usually not a good sign i mean that there's you know some people behind the scenes that don't have a ton of confidence in it. Um, and like I, the writer who asked his name to be taken off. <laughs> right, exactly. So there's a lot of bad signs. And I, I completely agree with Michael too, that, uh, that the casting is quite off. Um, you know, it, 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 they're making an effort. I mean, a lot, some of the characters are, are at least recognizable. So you, you know, you can see Kate Blanchett. It's supposed to be Lilith, but it doesn't really look like Lilith. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things going against it. That said, though, you know, I did get a, a similar kind of feel as the as the D and D movie, and uh, and again, I was surprised by that. I actually enjoyed enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, so you know, we hope we hope that there are better things ahead because uh, we're getting a lot of really interesting news on things, and uh, we're going to switch a little bit over to some budgetary discussions and uh you know we got a report from marvel uh basically talked about creative retooling of various projects we've said okay no big shocker here um you know what's going to happen with kang the conqueror we got the fantastic four we got the tv shows all of that so um you know you have to expect that there's going to be changes going in that direction that being said, Disney kind of shocked everybody the other day by announcing on Digital Bits that they've entered into an agreement with Sony that will see Sony Pictures taking over control of Disney physical media productions. Essentially, Sony is going to handle and oversee the authoring and compression of discs and work with replication and packaging to get the titles out to the markets. Now, this was interesting. Um because the original word that we were getting was that Disney was having some issues on their physical media operations. So this is not only seen as being more efficient, but also a cost-saving measure. 
And, uh, you know, some people have said to me, well, what's the big deal? Nobody cares about physical media anymore. And I said, yeah, but you're forgetting who these buyers are. Disney physical media is still popular. People bought the VHS tapes when they were out and they would buy extras because once the title came out, it was out. It was gone for 10 years after a certain time and people would save those sealed VHS ones just for the collectability of them. And they're now selling them for quite a profit on uh, eBay and various things like that. So we'll start, Justin. What is your take on all of this? That's interesting. It's in, to me, I, what's most interesting about it is kind of what you just said. I mean, f- physical media. There's no way around it. Physical media um, has been, you know, I'm not going to say it's dead, but it has been on the, on the decline over time. Um, and the fact that Disney would sign such a large deal with Sony to handle, you know, the, basically this function of their, of their company. So it's two very large companies going into agreement over this, um, does show that there's obviously a future for it. Uh, which to me is, is a good thing. I am a fan of physical media. I think there are some issues with the environment, uh, you know, basically the landscape without physical media, there's, you know, questions people always come up with uh that i think are completely valid you know do you actually own if you buy a movie do you actually own it if uh if the service uh if if basically your ability to watch the movie is contingent on a service being up or down um and will that service be up or down in 10 years um kind of thing so i'm i'm a fan of physical media i think it's a it's a good sign that there there are still agreements going on between companies to kind of to manage this this function and there should always be at least some option to buy um media in a physical form all right and michael your take please yeah and i agree i mean i'm a huge fan of physical media also um i like it because i like the I, i like you know the 4k um, Blu-rays in particular for the sound, because again, you're it's you get the lossless, uh, uncompressed sound that goes along with those. So for anybody who's got a you know a, a good home home theater system or home theater setup, um, there's something to be said about that. I I kind of look at this a little bit differently. I I, I think it it does show that there is going to be a, a Dizzy is still planning to release. Um, physical media going forward in the foreseeable future. But I think it also shows that they're not willing to invest in that because of the fact that they know that this particular media is slowly dying. Um, Sony already has the infrastructure in place. A lot of that has to do with the fact that obviously as the the founders of, of Blu-ray technology and really being the um, forefront of that technology, they have the the mechanisms and the and everything to to handle that distribution probably better than anybody else. Um, so obviously there is that, but I think I, I think it goes to show that um, their Disney is going to kind of offload some of that cost to them. Uh, obviously they they pay for the the you know they pay Sony to handle the uh, physical distribution and and the the you know stamping of the discs that sort of thing again because I think Sony has an infrastructure. But I, I do think that kind of shows, if I, if I look at it from a pessimistic point of view, I think it does show that they are expecting the desire or the, the need for physical media to continue to decline. And this way, they're not investing in any of their own um, 
any of their own infrastructure to, to keep that part afloat. So I, I think it is good that we are going to continue to see physical media from Disney for the, the short term. I do think that this is another sign that that particular area is is starting to, to go away, unfortunately. And Joey Z, your take, please. Yeah, I agree with what both Michael and Justin says. Uh, kind of a red flag to see Disney offloaded to Sony by choice because, you know, as they said, things have been declining in physical disc sales, but they're still very profitable. So it's interesting that they see the writing on the wall that in 20 years, uh, the type of collectible that we might think of as like a DVD or something that gets sealed and stowed away might turn into something else, maybe even something Disney themselves wants to create or a brand. I wonder whether or not we're going to see layoffs because of this at Disney or if we're going to see movement to a different uh, uh, different part of the department in the company. I wonder what their plan is for the employees that are working that part of their uh, company. It's interesting. It is an interesting fact. And then when you consider it, think about video games. We've seen lots of layoffs in that industry, and now we're hearing all these stories about retailers getting rid of their physical media. And, you know, I remember how they used to send review copies used to come in a package and there was your disc and you loaded it into the computer. And then soon after that, the disc became nothing more than a code that you had to load into the computer or your console that would then download the game. And then it basically became, you know what, forget it. Here's a code, just buy it all digitally, download it. And, you know, we've seen that, but we always used to think, oh, there's we could see that for PC, but it's not going to happen on consoles. Consoles, uh, the hard drive space, and it's faster to load from the disk, and da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, guess what? <laughs> now we have digital-only consoles, and uh, you know they're saying it's becoming less and less attractive to companies because, let's be honest, a lot easier to put a product on a server and say, there it is, buy it and download it, and not have to worry about packaging, shipping, losses, uh, damage, that sort of thing. It's up oh, there. It is download it and problem solved. Okay. So back to the next topic at hand, and we are staying on the topic of money and Warner brothers who have been a frequent, uh, topic for the, la for us, the last couple of years, everything from shows and movies being canceled or shelved for tax purposes, things in limbo, possible mergers with, uh, various companies and now we get word that the upcoming Joker, Foiledoux, is going to have a budget more than three times the original and is over 200 to roughly $200 million, they're saying. This is including Joaquin Phoenix getting $20 million and Lady Gaga getting $12 million. So with a lot of stuff going around about superhero fatigue, so on and so forth, Disney, in addition to their higher profile films, doing some of the lower budgeted films like Blade, apparently is going to be around 60, 70 million dollars. Joey Z, we'll start with you. Should we be should fans be worried that uh, this is maybe pricing them out of profitability? Uh, I think so. I'm, I'm not sure that it won't make its budget. I mean, 200 million is a lot. But for context, I believe the first movie made almost a billion, if not a billion dollars at the box office. But my concern is that, you know, very rarely do sequels, you know, match that, you know, at, you know that, that uh, great lightning in a bottle that the first movie catches. And although this is a superhero movie and it does have the Joker, which is, you know, arguably one of the best names in D.C., uh, so it has that pull that people will want to come see it. 
the first movie was dark, and that was a turnoff for a lot of people, especially during the time right before COVID or after COVID now. And people want to see, you know, lighter movies in a way. So I'm concerned that this is spending a lot of money for no reason. But I also know that when you're paying your actors, you got to pay them what they want. And I know there's a lot. I think Lady Gaga's in this, if I remember correctly. Right. Uh, or, and yeah, and well, Joaquin Phoenix obviously is going to want to get paid. Um, but this does show that they are interested in probably doing more than just two movies. We might get a third or even a fourth movie down the line if they can show that this rated R movie trend in the DC universe is profitable. So uh, I am excited, though, because usually with more money, you get better everything. <laughs> I mean, maybe not script writing these days. Well, no, we'll see. But I liked the first one, so I'm very excited to see the second one. Michael, your take, please. So, I, and I, I agree. I mean, I thought the great, the first Joker was good as a, as a, as a film, a standalone film. Like, I, like it could have easily been not related at all to the Joker from the DC universe. Because uh, again, for the most part, it was, it was more about, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's character descending into madness. And it really could have taken on a role of any, um, character it didn't have to really be related to batman at all and i thought in that sense it did a really good job it wasn't really to me a, a superhero kind of movie it wasn't even necessarily even a dc uh batman uh movie right it was just it was just kind of a a dark take on on a man who kind of goes from some some sense of normalcy yeah he had his quirks obviously um, and then, and then, how he became, you know, deranged and and demented, uh, almost like a, uh, I don't want to say a horror movie, but it did kind of have those horror movie vibes to it, right? So I don't, I I'm really torn on this because I I think it's it's hard to, as Joey put it, cap recapture that that feeling without making it feel like it's now becoming a, or we're trying too hard to make this a Batman Joker movie. And, and I think at some point, you know, I, I don't know where, um, where you take that character unless you're going to start introducing it as uh, a nemesis to Batman. Right. Cause again, one without the other, um, we weren't even, you know, the, the Batman, um, Again, another movie that I thought was a great one-off film. Um, but again, I thought these were two different sides to one coin. And I don't really know if a sequel is, is something that was truly warranted in this. Obviously, it did good. But again, I think it did good for all those reasons because it was a different take. Um, it didn't fall into the trap of being just another... Uh, just another Batman movie, just another Joker movie, not another superhero movie. And I thought that's where it kind of ex succeeded again, even probably more so than I, than I would have thought it, to be honest, it wasn't a movie I want, I, I wanted to see again because it was very dark. It was kind of very depressing. It, it was not a, Hey, let's go see this movie two or three times. Unlike a, a superhero movie, like say Iron Man or the Avengers or something that kind of has that, um, up, I don't want you know. Even though those, some of those can be dark too, they had a little bit more of an uplifting premise to it. Where this was just very, kind of came out of it feeling just feeling just very, you know, just just I don't know, just kind of down. And and again, I'm not I'm not saying I disliked it because that's not true. I thought it was a great movie. Uh, I thought it was got all the the you know 
the, the kudos and the accolades that it deserved because I think it did go to a place where a lot of these movies, comic book movies in general, are kind of scared to go. But at the same time, I, I, it isn't a movie that I that I would even streaming it is one that I really wanted to watch again just because of just the the overall take on it. And and again, it's I, I will it make its money back? Yes. Will it make a profit? Uh, absolutely. Is it going to make the profit the first one made? I don't think so. Um, and, and again, what I what I worry is that they're going to try too hard on this one to tie it into an extended DC universe and take away from what made it different in the first place. You know, those are great points. Uh, so, Justin, right before I get your take, uh, original one was R-rated, two hours, two minutes long. And has a worldwide gross of one billion seventy-eight million nine hundred and fifty-eight thousand, not counting DVD streaming and uh, pay-per-view, that sort of thing. So go ahead, Justin. Yeah, I think uh, both uh, Joey and Michael brought really good points, and in particular, the Joey um, called it lightning in a bottle, and I think that's a really good way to describe uh, the first film. Um, it's Sometimes uh, film executives can end up being their own worst enemies in a, in a sense where um, a movie is very successful and unfortunately what ends up happening a lot, I'm not saying that's going to happen this time, but a lot of, time, a lot of times the, the, the wrong message is really, uh, the long, wrong lesson is learned from why a, a film is particularly successful. And you know, you look at Joker and a lot of its inspiration, it's not exactly like an entertainment movie. It's not like a blockbuster, you know, uh, oh, I want to go see this three times or I'm going to go buy it on DVD and, you know, uh, watch it with the family again kind of kind of movie. It's a very thought provoking uh, kind of character study. Very dark, like like uh, what Michael said is very dark, very dour, um, but, but also very thought provoking. It's, it's a really good film. Um, but it draws inspiration from stuff like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull rather than, you know, uh, like the the other Batman movies like the Nolan trilogy or anything like that. Uh, so I do wonder right, with with such a huge budget, what direction are they going with it? You know, uh, I because the first film was was good and a lot of the same people are involved. I, I, I do have high hopes, um, but. I do get a little bit queasy about that super high budget because that usually is a signifier that you're kind of going in more in the direction of, um, you know, injecting a lot more entertainment. Not that entertainment's bad, of course, but, you know, you get kind of tonal clashes if you're kind of trying to balance, uh, you know, trying to link the, all this up with the larger DC universe or trying to link this up with Batman, but also trying to do kind of like a character study dark um kind of moody uh thought-provoking piece as well so i'm curious to see what they do with it of course but uh we'll have to wait and see interesting enough yeah so rounding things out let's take a look at star wars we have the final season of the bad batch kicking off today and uh we had news this morning that uh Star Wars Battlefront is getting a classic set, and this is going to be the first two Battlefield uh, Battlefront games coming next month. Um, 
all the bells and whistles. Uh, they've talked about the expansions to the Hero Assault mode. Uh, the previously released bonus content for uh, the games will be out there. And it also has talked about um, $35 price tag. It will launch on Switch, PS5, PS4, Xbox, X and S, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, combine that with the rumor that Star Wars The Acolyte, which is set about 50 years before the event of Star Wars Episode One, uh, will be making a Disney Plus premiere on June 5th. Apparently, when Disney was contacted about this, they did not deny or confirm the date. So, uh, we will start with you, Justin. What do you make of either of these topics, or both? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing Battlefront again. Um, I'll be completely honest. I, I did enjoy the newer Battlefront games from EA but um, and DICE, but if I had to choose my preference, uh, I think the older Battlefront games um, that this um, bundle uh, is bringing back is my preference. There is just something very... Uh, they, they did such a good job just capturing just so much just like a giant buffet of everything star wars was just crammed into these games and it, it was it's just great fun so I, i'm really happy to see these coming back um you know with with network support and extra content uh and a really good price tag i i, I guess the one thing i'm a little curious about is if they're for remasters you're kind of looking for or, or rebundles it as it were uh, you're kind of looking for extra um, you know, technical um, details. So I, I'm curious to dig into that as well to see you know, what what additions they've made um, with this particular bundle. But that's what I'm looking forward to. I'll, I'll definitely be playing that again. Yeah, from what I'm gathering, I don't think they've delayed, uh, they've really delayed. I don't think they've done anything new in terms of tweaking the graphics. It's just a case of here it is for the newer systems and, you know, hopefully better online play and some uh, crossplay built in. Michael, what do you take about all this? Yeah, so the first uh, Star Wars Battlefront was one of um, I was I was big in Unreal Tournament uh, back in the late '90s, early 2000s. This was kind of the first outside of Quake Arena and that sort of thing. This was kind of the first deviation from that. So I really I really played a lot of the first Star Wars Battlefront. The second one, not so much. Um, I don't remember why at the time, but that but that was back in what 2003-ish, um, somewhere around there 2004. So to, to Justin's point and and to your point as well, I the gameplay was great for 2004, um, and and I, and I to, to Justin's point too, I liked the dice ones too. I didn't I didn't dislike those. Um, I just kind of wonder if our nostalgia for these things are is is the rose colored glasses thing. Um, because again, with one of the, I think one of the bigger criticisms that the Warcraft three reforged got when it came out was the graphics looked great. They redid the graphics, but a lot of the quality of life changes hadn't been updated. So it was still very much World of Warcraft. I mean, sorry, Warcraft three, not World of Warcraft, Warcraft three um, gameplay with a lot of its quirks that people that turned people off a lot. And, and again, I think um, this will be one of those things where I, I think for those of us who, who played it when it was first out, um, it might still hold that, that special enjoyment for us. 
I kind of question how much um, new blood is gonna are gonna sink into this because again, if they if they haven't really um, obviously they um, online play is better. I think they mentioned more uh, the ability for more people to play in maps, that sort of thing. But a lot of things like retro stuff, and 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 I I get retros make a comeback, and for me it's I, I still like to go back and play a lot of older DOS games, a lot of older Windows 95, 98 games. So I'm I'm probably not the one that they're going to be mostly concerned about, but I I do wonder if uh, if it hasn't had much in the way of graphical updates at all, um, remastering updates, because let's face it, the one back in 2003-2004 didn't look great by today's standards. And I think that's going to be something that potentially could hurt it. The other thing that I think could potentially hurt it is a lot of the things that we've come to expect out of online multiplayer shooter games. Um, for those who are, are big into Call of Duty, those who are big into Battlefield, even the newer Battlefront games, um, I, I think a lot of that's going to be missing. Now, again, I, I still like to go back and play some on the tournament once in a while. I, I, the, 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 that's the part I think that intrigues me is that it won't have a lot of the extra fluff that those newer games kind of bring into them. I kind of like just going back to the old capture the flag days, the old, you know, eight versus eight or 10 versus 10 deathmatch games or, or team deathmatch games where you don't have all the extra stuff, smaller maps that you can get around quicker than, I don't, you know, not having the huge open areas where you spend 20 minutes fighting somebody only to get killed and, then it's been 20 minutes to get back to where you were, you know, so I, those are the things that I like about it, but I wonder how big of an audience this will maintain outside of the nostalgia factor. Yeah. Good point. And Joey Z, what do you got for us? Yeah, I'd agree with all that. And I'd say I'm excited to play it on the switch. <laughs> I feel like the graphics will actually probably translate pretty well to the switch. And I don't think they had many of the battlefront games on, if any of them, uh, including the new ones. So that's uh, exciting for Nintendo fans who have owned a Switch and not been able to play. Uh, also, a nice little bonus. You get a 20% uh, discount on Steam or Xbox if you own the other ones. So that's also nice. But I think this is just trying to capture that nostalgia, which, you know, with Star Wars seems to be really, really successful. <laughs> they have such a huge player base, and the original games were great. The new ones were not, not bad either. So uh, I, I don't know if I'll be playing it, but I do like the fact that I could get another multiplayer game on my Switch. That I mean, I, you can't go wrong with that. Absolutely, especially Star Wars. And uh, finally tonight, closing out, we just got news coming in that the Ana de Armas-led John Wick spinoff Ballerina is being delayed a full year. It will no longer debut this June, but will instead open June of 2025. And this is due to filming of additional action sequences for the film. But fans, not to worry, Lionsgate is going to instead release their reboot of the crow in cinemas this june so we have that to look forward to and that is going to do it for us tonight folks we'll be back next week and until then take care and be safe